Welcome to Rome Christian Center. We are so glad that you are with us here today. If you are local to the Rome, New York area, we would like to invite you to join us 10 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. on Sundays. We are located at 7985 Turin Road in Rome, New York. Let's join the service as we believe God has something in store for you today. Let's pray. Father, I pray over the next few minutes, Lord, as I share your word, that your Holy Spirit would speak, Lord, and that our hearts would hear, our spirits would hear, Lord. I thank you, Father, that you speak to our spirits through your word. I thank you, Father, that we have a mind to understand. We have emotions, Lord, to guide us and help us. But I thank you, Father, that ultimately your word goes right into our spirit. And I pray, Lord, that our hearts would be encouraged and that we'd hear your voice today in Jesus' name. Amen. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 13. And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all of your trespasses. So according to the scriptures, the Bible says that we were dead. We were singing earlier about a glorious day when we've been made alive. One of the basic tenets of our faith is that as Jesus was dead, we were dead. And as Jesus rose from the grave and became alive, we became alive with him. And by faith, we share the identification of his death and his life through the cross. Somebody say amen. amen. Now you might be saying, I have breath, I have life. If you put a, a blood pressure monitor on me or check my pulse, there are signs of life. But the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 5 that when Adam sinned, he died. Before Adam died, Adam received from God the breath of life. And in Genesis chapter 2, in verse 7, the Bible says here, Read it for us, Johnny. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the life, the breath of life, and man became a living being. So when God spoke, when God breathed, when God created, he brought a part of himself into Adam, and Adam became at that moment fully alive. And he was fully alive to God the Father, and he was fully alive in the presence of that garden. And in the presence of that garden, there was life and there was fellowship with God. Now, how many know after Adam sinned that God had to remove him from the garden? And this is a picture for us. When, we, when sin comes into our lives, death happens. Sin is a killer. And sin kills the Spirit. And the Bible teaches us that corruption comes into our lives through sin. 
And when sin comes in, the Bible says that we become corrupt. That means decay happens. Think of in your uh, picture a piece of fruit that is slowly rotting and deteriorating. And I love the, the metaphor that Derek Prince created. And he talked about um, religious activity and how religious activity can almost be like a refrigerator for a human being. If you put a piece of fruit that's bound for decay on the table, how many days would that piece of fruit last? Maybe a couple days? The flies would start to show up. It would start to get dark. It might start to smell. But if you put it in the refrigerator, it's going to last longer. It'll arrest that decay. But ultimately, that piece of fruit is going to die. And that's what religious, religious activity does. That's what uh, things that just affect our soul and our mind and our emotions, all of those things can slow down the process and it can look good on the outside. But God says, listen, in Christ, I want you to live and I've made you alive at the core of your being in your spirit. You were dead in your spirit. And now when you receive Christ, you identify with his death and then you identify with his life and resurrection and you become someone who is alive in your spirit. Amen. Find somebody beside you and say, it's good to be alive today. I'm glad that I'm alive today. And what does that mean? That means I'm alive to God. <laughs> the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 6, listen, reckon yourself, consider yourself dead to sin, but alive to to God. When, at, when God first breathed into Adam the breath of life, the Bible, Adam became alive. Wow. There's my father. This is his creation. This is my domain, you might say. This is where I have purpose. This is where, where God has planted me. But notice when he died, God had to remove him from the garden and he had to remove him from fellowship. So when we become alive, we now have an access point where we can connect and communicate with God. You say, but I can think good thoughts about God. Yes. I can study the Bible and I can understand. Yes. I can be in the middle of a worship service and I can feel the goosebumps. Raise your hand if you like the goosebumps. Amen. I love the goosebumps where we feel God's presence. But ultimately, God speaks with us in our spirit. God makes our spirit alive. When God speaks, it's that guy. He's called the inner man. That's the guy that he's after. That's the girl that he's after. That's the real you. That's the you that is going to, when, when this flesh finishes its process of decay, that's the person that's going to go on into eternity in the realm of the spirit because we know that this realm is not the only realm. And we know that this realm, the, the things that we see and taste and touch, this came out of the spiritual realm. And the realest part of you and the realest part of me is our spirit. And isn't it funny? That's the hardest part to touch base with. That's the hardest part. Our emotions are often screaming loud. Our body is, is screaming loud. But God wants us to identify the fact that we are alive in our spirits and that our spirits crave connection with God. There's a, a picture of this in the Old Testament, and I wonder if we might bring that up. In, in the Old Covenant, 
the tabernacle of Moses was a picture of us as a human being. You'll notice here, there was the outer court where the, you see the bull there with the, the table and the, the smoke. That's a picture of our, of our bodies. The outer court, what we see. And then as you move closer and into the building there, and it's labeled, it's tough to see, um, I believe it's a letter eight, a number eight. That's the inner court. And the inner court represents our mind, our emotions, our soul, you might say. And notice it's inner. It's more personal. It's closed off. You can't see it from the outside. But at the very back of that house, we'll call it, covered by a thick curtain, is the Holy of Holies. The inner court, the inner sanctuary. And in Jewish I should say in Hebrew language, in, in some, it's, uh, the, the Hebrew is devir. It, it's referred to as the inner speechuary. Why? Why would they call it an inner speechuary? Because the priest, once a year, would go through that thick wall and he would enter and he would enter with the blood of a sacrificed goat and he would sprinkle that blood and that blood was a sacrifice so that he could enter and communicate with God the sins for him and of the people. And in that place, he would talk to God and God would talk to him. And he was the only one allowed. This is a picture for us now of Jesus. Because when Jesus, the Bible says when he died, he went into the heavenly. So in heaven, there is a tabernacle. This is a representation not only of our being, our spirit, our soul, and our body, but this actually represents, and I can't wait to see it. I don't know exactly what it's going to look like. But in heaven, there's a holiest of holies where God is. And when Jesus died and he was raised from the dead, he went and he entered that holiest of holies for us. And the Bible says he was the forerunner. Hallelujah. He was the first one to go. And after he went, we're all invited now to enter the very presence of God. You say, do we need to book a ticket to get to Jerusalem to see the picture there? And do we got to go in there and march up in there and say, hey, I've got my ticket. I've confessed Christ. I'd like to get behind that curtain, if you will. Should we do that? No. Do we need to somehow um, in our minds or, or, or create an edifice ourselves? No. Do we need to think real hard and just constantly picture? No, listen, the Bible says that we enter that holiest of holies in our spirits. Our spirits have communion and connection with God. He was the first among many brethren. And the brethren, listen now, it's not the son that only have access to the father's presence, but it's the whole family now that can come and sit at the Father's feet and come into the very presence of God and have fellowship with God. But how many know we get spooked sometimes and we don't want to enter? We have a problem with our dog. Any of you have problems with your dog? We put the food out and uh, we even put a little uh, beef broth or something in there so that she'll eat it because once they taste people food, that's it. 
And we put a little beef broth on there, and we put it in there, and then and she'll start to eat the food. But she's got this metal bell chime around her neck, and the bowl's metal. So when the bell chime around her neck touches the bowl, it makes a little noise, and she jumps back. And then she starts barking at the bowl, which is very annoying. Because we're trying to do various other things, and sometimes I literally have to grab her by the top coat here and drag her to the food and show her that she's not going to die eating food. Actually, what we do is we, we put the belt, we try to tuck it under her. Well, it's got her name on it. How's she going to know who she is? It's got her name on it. And well, you know, the idea is if she gets out, the, the Lisa's phone number's on there. I don't know, we'll take it off. But that's how we are sometimes. We get spooked. We think, oh, I shouldn't do this. I don't belong here. I can't come and eat. I can't come and have what's been provided for me by the Father. We have provided that food for our dog. That's meant for her substance. And the Bible tells us that Christ is our substance. We are supposed to dwell with him, walk with him. Our spirits cry out for relationship with him. Amen? So God turns the light on. We're made alive. And now God wants us to fellowship, not with dead works of religion, but fellowship with the living God. God says, listen, I'm alive. And you're alive. And you belong fellowshipping with me. Jesus told his disciples, listen, Lazarus is dead, but we are going to go and we are going to wake up Lazarus. We are going to call him forth from the grave. We were singing about it this morning. And God has come and he has called forth each one of us to life. Lazarus, come forth. Karen, come forth. Priscilla, come forth. And we've heard the voice of God. The voice of God has come. And where does it come? Did it come into our mind? No. Did it come through our mind? Yes. And it come, we understood and we hear God. And it touches our spirit. And when we hear the voice of God, we become alive. And he calls us forth. And what did Jesus do? Now, how many know Lazarus stood up? And what did, what did Martha say? She said, Lord, he's been dead four days. It'll stink. What is this? Naturally speaking, Lazarus's body, four days in that tomb, is a picture of our spirits without Christ, without life, without the life of God, decaying, odor, smell. I thought, I don't want to weird anybody out. I've thought about, it came up, I'll just let it go. Norval Hayes was, God gave him a vision. I don't, I don't think he actually went to hell. But God gave him a vision of, of hell and what it looked like. And how many people remember, this was years ago, Bill Weiss, he wrote the book 23 Minutes in Hell. He came to our church uh, with, with Michael and Megan. And what was his wife's name? Uh, Bill and Annette? Bill and Annette came. Anyway, God gave him a, a similar vision. Well, well, Bill met Norval, and they sat down for dinner together. 
And Norval was very interested in his experience. He wanted to talk to him because he had a similar experience. And one of the things he asked Bill Weiss was, he said, tell me about the smell there in hell. And Bill said, it was horrible. It was the worst smell I've ever smelled in my life. He said, there were two prevalent things in hell. The odor, of de- the smell of decay and odor, and fear. Those were the two main things that he experienced while in hell. And, and I want you to think about Lazarus's body four days in that grave. And Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth. And he came out. And what's the next thing Jesus said? Loosen and let him go. Because he was wrapped up in grave clothes. And that's a picture of our life after we receive Christ, after the life of God comes into us, after God calls us by name and says, I want you to come forth. I want you to be alive and not dead. Now we are in the process of unwrapping the things that we've gotten wrapped up in. Unwrapping the things, the sinful lifestyles, the things that we've gotten involved in. We, we get rid of those things. We remove those things because now it's time to be alive. And I, I actually never thought of this until the next chapter. How many know where Lazarus was in chapter 12? The next day, I don't know how many days it was later. Let me go there real quick. Lazarus was sitting Somewhere. Lazarus was sitting with Jesus at a table. John chapter 12, verse 1. Then six days before the Passover, when Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, who had been dead, who had been dead, whom he raised from the dead, There they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table. We don't belong in the grave anymore. We don't belong wrapped up in grave clothes, wrapped up in bondage. We don't belong dead. We belong seated at the table with Jesus, having fellowship with him. Amen. That's where we belong. You have been made alive. We have been made alive alive. And I just want to go through a few scriptures that um, demonstrate the life that's been given to us. Uh, Let's go to 1 Peter, or you can, we have it, you don't have to go there. In 1 Peter, and you know, I'm reading for the New King James. Sometimes I think it's hard to follow if you're reading like the Amplified or the New Living or something like that. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. Jonathan. Be blessed, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Amen. Notice that he has begotten us again. In other words, that's a fancy word for becoming born again. A baby becomes fully alive when it is born. And we become fully alive through the Father through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let's go to Titus chapter 3. In verse 4. Titus 3, 4. I don't know why I'm flipping. It's right on the screen. Go ahead. 
But when the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which, which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. Oh, amen. There it is. Somebody say, he saved me. Amen. So there's two key words I want to zero in on there. Through the washing of regeneration. I want to go back to the priests in the Old Covenant for a moment. When the priest entered, and I'm not going to be too long, but just rewind in your brain with me for a minute to the previous visual. The Holy of Holies. The priest goes once a year. And he goes with blood, and he has to sprinkle the mercy seat with blood for the sin of himself and for the people. Why? Why? If the inner sanctuary, excuse me, the Holy of Holies, or the inner sanctuary, it's called, represents our spirits, and he has to come and, and sprinkle blood into that place, that tells us that sin infects the spirit. Sometimes we sin, and the Bible can, tells us that we can even be so hardened, people can become so hardened that their, conscious, their, their conscience doesn't bear witness to sin. I don't feel it. I do evil, and I love doing it. Sin doesn't register on their consciousness. But ultimately, the truth is that sin is a spirit issue. Sin affects our spirits. But notice the Bible says here that we've been washed. In Colossians chapter 2, if you read on, the Bible says that Jesus wiped out the letter of indebtedness. He wiped it out. I thought of a mafia lord as a, uh, uh, in, in, the, in the Godfather where, you know, Tom said, you know, Mike, why do you feel like you have to wipe everybody out? He says, I don't feel like I have to wipe everybody out, just my enemy. Sin is an enemy to God, and God has wiped it out. Jesus is the only one that has the power and the authority to wipe your spirit clean. And he came, and he wiped it clean. By the washing, watch this now, regeneration. That's a fancy word, palingenesia. It's a fancy Greek word that means, again, birth. How did he do it? He took that dead spirit. You say, wait a minute, but I had a pulse. We already covered that. Our spirits were not alive to God. And he birthed it again. And then notice here it says, there was renewing of the Holy Spirit. And I just want to camp there for just a minute. God wants us to be in a constant process of renewal and refreshing. Where our spirits are being renewed and refreshed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And can I tell you, I believe that that will have an effect on the other parts of our being. I believe that, that when our spirits are regularly refreshed by the presence of God, by the word of God, it's going to have an effect on my mind. When It's going to have an effect on my emotions. I'm going to feel better when I am refreshed by the power of the Holy Spirit. The other day, I was cutting my... Um, uh, the with the hedge trimmer, I was cutting the hedges, and I, I just, you know, I, I don't know, I hadn't prayed lately, I don't know when the last time I opened up the Bible was in the last few days, but I, I just, let me get those earbuds in there, and, uh, you know, uh, I got to get the better ones, with the apple pie, those are great, I borrow Ben's, but see, sometimes he hangs on to those, I, I got those old earbuds, you know, and they had the, the you know, they were choking me out, because they had the cord, they weren't 
the newest and greatest. But I connected to my phone, and I had some worship songs there. And all of a sudden, this Toby Mac song came on. I wanted to play it this morning. Lisa wouldn't let me. She's like, honey, it's slow rap, all right? But there, there's a song, and it touched my spirit. You know, it's just a good song, but you might like it, whatever. Um, I think it's called Undeniable. And that song came on, and that just touched my spirit. And I just, oh, something in me just said, God is real. He's alive. He loves me. And I love him, and I'm his son. And all of a sudden, I was beginning to be refreshed by the spirit. And I began to, maybe I sang a little bit, or I prayed in the spirit a little bit. But I feel like what God is saying in that is that he doesn't want to be a backseat driver in our life. He wants to sit in the front seat. God says, I want to come to the forefront of your consciousness because that spirit that I birthed again, that spirit that I put life into, I want to connect with you there and I want that spirit to spill out and flow out into your life so that you experience, like Jesus said, the fountain of life. Springing up into everlasting life. Jesus said, this water that I give you is going to become in you. Fountain, springing up into everlasting life. God says, listen, if you're going to do that, you're going to have to take some steps in your daily life practically to bring me from way back in the bus to the front of the bus. And the Bible teaches us how to do this. And I'll just go to one scripture. I felt like I had two different you know, sermons or ideas here, and I kind of panicked. I said, Lord, am I... But there's two ideas here. Let's just touch upon this one for a moment. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 5. Johnny, pass that off to Mark. Will you? Ephesians chapter 5. Go ahead. And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation. Dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Hold. Let's, let's roll right to the next one. Thessalonians or Colossians. Either one will do. Go ahead, Mark. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. And then 1 Thessalonians, we'll give you three references, and then 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, Test all things, hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Evil. Amen. So, what was I doing there as I was cutting the hedges? I was singing in the Spirit. I was rejoicing in the Lord. Now, I didn't move into prophecy, but prophecy is another example of something that we can do that brings God to the forefront of our consciousness. God says, I want to be present in your now. I want my presence to be something that is present 
with you as you walk about your daily life because I want to bring refreshing and I want to bring relationship as we walk together in life. Amen? So there are things we can do. We can sing with grace in our hearts to the Lord. We can rejoice. How many know it's hard sometimes to rejoice? Sometimes we have to make that choice to rejoice. We can pray. Dear Lord, we can pray. Might not be a long prayer, but what does that do? That says, God, I've let some some other people and situations take your seat in the front of this bus. I'm going to kick them out, and I'm going to bring you back up front where you belong so that I can hear your voice, so that I can fellowship with you, and so that I can have the guidance and the leadership that I need. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. So, I want one more scripture and then we're going to quit. John chapter 14. I saw this and I I just couldn't leave it out. I, I just, God wants us to be so mindful, I believe, of the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives for renewing for life, and for refreshing. John chapter 14. And we'll begin in verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. Let's hold there for a minute. Notice, it was me that your focus was on while you were on the earth. He's talking to the disciples. But I'm going to send you, I was your helper. I was everything to you. You walked with me. You followed me. But now I'm going to send you another helper like me. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you will know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Notice he dwells with you. He will be in you. So what Jesus is basically saying is, listen, just as you walked with me throughout life and you followed me, everything I did, we ate together. I taught you. I would imagine that he had them sitting in a circle from time to time. I would imagine they had prayer time together. I would imagine he showed them very practical things as they walked with him and followed him throughout his lifetime. But he says... I am being replaced now in your consciousness. And I want your primary focus now to be on the Holy Spirit sent to you. He's going to dwell with you, and he's going to be where? In you forever. Finally. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. The implication here is, With Jesus, we're sons and daughters. Without him, we're orphans. But when he went up and sat at the right hand of the Father, the Spirit now is here. And without the Holy Spirit, you're an orphan. With the Holy Spirit, you're a son and a daughter. So God wants to show us That with the Holy Spirit, he takes the place of Jesus and he walks with us and he talks with us and he brings to us the greatest promise, in my opinion, of God. Jesus says, this is the promise of the Father, the Spirit being sent to you in my place 
and he will be faithful to you. He'll never leave you. And he will remove that orphan spirit. What is the orphan spirit? Quickly, the orphan spirit is fighting for itself. The orphan spirit doesn't have identity, doesn't have security, doesn't have safety. God says, I want to bring all of that to you through the presence of my Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, God. Stand with me, please. Father, we thank you today that you have come and that you've made us alive in our spirits. You've made us alive in our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father, that the light is on in our hearts and that we can now fellowship with you, Lord, in the inner sanctuary, Lord. Thank you, God, that you speak directly to our spirits, to our hearts with your word. Thank you, Father, that you've sent the Spirit to renew us and to refresh us and to have fellowship with us in our spirits. Help us, Lord, we pray, to be more conscious of your presence and to be reminded that we are alive together in Christ. Amen. Thank you so much for being with us today. Our prayer is that your life be enriched through the power of God's word and that you be filled with his love and strength as you daily serve him. To learn more about our service times and our ministry and how it is that you can partner with us, visit us online today at romechristiancenter.com.